0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. And uh, we've been in a series called Ready and Willing. Everyone say ready. Ready. Everyone say willing. willing. Ready and willing. And this series is all about living a life of obedience, which is everyone's favourite topic as we've spoken about. It's always a great topic to speak on, but it's an incredibly crucial and important one. And we, we started off the series talking about how everyone has a love language. Every single one of us has a love language. Some of you, it might be coffee, but, but others, it might be a few other things. Mine is coffee, by the way. If you ever want to show love to me, just give me some coffee. I will love it. But... Uh, There's many other different love languages. I I can't help but as we're hearing about it, remember back to when myself and my wife first got married and we were in ministry together. We were working here at church together and we uh, would work in the same office, we'd be in youth, we'd be planning and all that sort of stuff. And then we'd drive to work together, work together, and then drive home together when we first got married. And I'll never forget that Ashari would get home and she would be like, how was your day? And I was like, what do you mean? You saw my whole day. And the question really threw me until I started to realise that part of why she was asking is because her love language was quality time. And the time we had spent at work wasn't love time because it was work time. And that question wasn't about what did you get up to? The question was about, hey, let's spend quality time together. And so I had to realise that her love language, I had to begin to love her in the way that she received love. And we've looked at the fact that in the Bible, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so the, the love language of God, the love language of Jesus is in fact obedience, is in fact choosing His will, His plan over my will and my plan. It's when we lay down our lives and we pick up everything that He has for us that that is when we show Him love. And this morning I wanted to read a portion of Scripture with you and it's found in Luke chapter five and then we'll pray and then we'll clap the band away who did an amazing job this morning. They did it phenomenal. I love that new song. Anyone else love that new song? I love that. Christ is our portion, our devotion. Luke chapter five says this, it's gonna be up on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around Him and listening to the Word of God. He saw, uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter said, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Get this and underline it if you can. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them and they came and filled their both boats as full as they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this he felt the knees of Jesus and said, "Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man." For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, "Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people." So they pulled up their boats onto shore and that every and left everything and followed him. But because you say so, I will let them down. Come on, let's pray. Dear heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that it is living and active, Lord. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that You are ministering to us here this morning. And I just ask God that You would step forward and that I would step back. I ask that You would increase and that I would decrease and that all of us would have an open heart and open mind to what it is that You are saying to us and that all of us would leave this place transformed by Your power and Your Word and Your precious and mighty Name. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, can we get up for the band who've done a great job? Thank you, guys. For those that don't know, uh, I am a new dad. It is my biggest bragging right at the moment. Uh, For all those who've been parents for a long time, yes, I'm in that phase where I just talk about my kids just constantly, my kid constantly, nonstop, all the time. And and it's really cool, but there's some stuff I've begun to learn as a dad, right? There's just something that happened. I became a dad and it's like the spirit of a dad came upon me. Um, It's just that I don't know what happened, right? All of a sudden my Instagram algorithm was filled with lawn cutting and lawn trimming Reels, placement, advertisements going, hey, this is how you can have the best lawn. And I was like, what is happening? All of a sudden, um, the, the spirit of a dad came upon me and I now turn off every single light in the house when the room is not being in use and I close every door in the house when it, you know, no one's in that room because it's just the spirit of a dad that came on me. I don't know what happened. Now I take afternoon naps on the weekend. It's great. I love it. I don't know what happened to me. All of a sudden, in a single moment, it changes. And uh, I have a sudden urge to actually tell dad jokes a lot of the time now. Except the most concerning part is in my head, they aren't dad jokes, they're just good jokes. And then I have a lot of people like Jacob Meinl, our youth pastor, just see, he's like, uh, Dan, that was a little bit cringy and a little bit of a dad joke. And I'm like, no, it was hilarious. <laughs> But all of a sudden the spirit of a dad came upon me and I've started to find that I wanna say things that, that I've, I've experienced my dad saying and maybe you've experienced your dad saying it before as well, as well, like when you're ready to leave and this is the classic saying, right? Are you ready to rock and roll? I don't know why I've decided to say it, right? Like it's just, are you ready to rock and roll? What does that even mean? Where are you rocking and where are we rolling? Like what's? I don't even know. I'm just saying it, right? Or oh, what about this one, when, when I take my afternoon naps and you get caught, I found myself saying something that my dad said all the time, I'm not napping, I'm just resting my eyes. As if there's something so ashamed about na- It's like, oh my goodness, they caught me napping, ah! I'm awake, I promise I wasn't napping, don't tell anyone! It's like, for some reason, it just came upon me. I just started saying these things. I started to say, I started to have the urge and Zoraea is not quite at the age where she can verbally complain or or, or whinge or anything like that, but she can make the sounds, right? She makes sounds and all of a sudden, I haven't said it yet, but I felt the urge of saying, Zoraea, don't make me turn this car around. She is eight months old, all right? (laughs) But I felt the urge. Spirit of a doubt has come upon me, right? And, and maybe one of you uh, have, have grew up hearing this one a lot and I know I did from my parents, to be honest, but it was, the, uh, it was the, why do I need to do that? And the, because I said so. Oh, I feel it coming. The day I'll whip that one out, it's gonna be great. It's like, Zoraida's gonna be like, Dad, why? It's like, because I said so. But it's actually a really powerful statement. But in our context and with our immaturity when we were kids, we actually interpret it in a negative way. But when you stop and you look at it, it's actually a really powerful sentiment and statement that we actually outwork, right? What the parent is saying to the kid is really say, hey, trust me, I know bigger, I know better. I'm more aware of things than you. And so there's things that you don't understand right now. So trust me when I say, do this. And so what we're saying is really, hey, trust me, trust my authority, trust my perspective, trust all that I can see right now, not just because I say so. And so if we're, not care- if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we can take the interpretation of our immaturity of when we were children and place it onto God when we read this Scripture. When we read Luke 5, we can read Luke saying it like, oh God, because you say so, I'm gonna do it. When really that's not the culture of the day. See, the culture was an understanding of honour and appreciation of those who understood greater things, right? And God, Jesus was just teaching the Word. And so what Peter does, he says, God, I may not understand fully. I may not get fully. You may not get the full context. But because you say so, I trust in your Word more than my reasoning, And so as a result, we see that Peter outworks a lifestyle, outworks a moment of obedience that ultimately leads to a miraculous moment. Peter in his obedience says, I will, that leads to a moment where he gets a catch so big that he has to send help for another boat to come over and both boats start to sink. That's how heavy, that's how many fish there are. All from a simple act of obedience. Not only that, but if you fast forward in Peter's life, you would know that he goes and he follows Jesus and then he, he gets discipled by Jesus for three years. And Jesus says to him, on you, I will build my church. And then he receives the Holy Spirit. And then on the, on the, the day of Pentecost, he gets up and he speaks to a crowd of people and he performs this amazing sermon in which 3000 people get saved. All of which wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a simple act of obedience. Peter wouldn't have been speaking to the crowd if he didn't let down the net. Peter wouldn't have been ministering at the level that God intended him to if he didn't work the act of obedience in his life in this moment. See, God has miraculous and big things in store for each and every single one of us, but it is all built and dependent on simple moments of obedience that changes everything. See, you have no idea what God can do with a single act of bold obedience. Peter built the church and ministered to many people. He saw many healings, saw countless times where there was restoration and people receiving Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of which was built upon this moment where he said, because you said so. And what I want us to do this morning is to maybe shift our thinking from a, because I said so mentality where we interpret it as a child as a negative thing, but to an understanding of, God, because you said so, I will. See, the kingdom of God, the momentum in the kingdom is built off of individual bold obedience. I heard a great preacher by the name of Pastor Sam Monk who leads Equipus Church recently. And he said this, which just blew, like just the way he phrased it, just really just encouraged me and made me think differently. He says, he says this, he goes, hey, as a, as a church, we are who we are. And people hear that and go, oh yeah, that's just, you have to just accept us for who we are. No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, we are collectively who we are individually, right? And so when we have the thought of, oh, the church should be doing this, the question is, yeah, but you know, the building is not the church, you're the church. So the question is, are you doing it? Because we are collectively who we are individually, in other words, the kingdom of God, this church, this community will be impacted and changed with the reality of Jesus, but only if we all act in individual obedience. If we act in individual obedience, it builds a kingdom momentum that is unstoppable in this world. What could we see in a year of come, follow me if we all lived with a bold obedience? Living with a bold obedience is not ethereal, it's tangible. Right? James talks about in James, he says, the faith without, work, faith without works is dead. And, and people can argue with, with that Scripture. They go, oh, I don't know about... No, no, what he's saying is he go, hey, your faith should look a certain way. Because yeah. what good is an ethereal talked about faith? No, no, it should have an action and an outworking attached to it. And it's the same with our obedience. Obedience isn't an ethereal, oh, this what do, we, what do we think about? How do we... Let? No, no, what does your obedience look like? Because obedience always is tangible not ethereal. Question, will we allow our lives to be interruptible or will we place conditions on our obedience? Will as Christians, as Christ-centered people, will we allow our lives to be interruptible or will we be placing conditions on our obedience always? we are taking notes, this is the question I want us to put at the top of our page or, or put it in bold or title it, whatever you wanna do, you know. Sorry if I'm messing with your formatting of your note-taking, my apologies. You're like, I've already written down the title then. I'm sorry. This is the question. God is able, but am I willing? God is able, but am I willing? So the question is, how do we live a bold, obedient life? How do we outwork? How do we outlive this? And there's a few things I want to highlight this morning that will allow us to hopefully answer the question of God is able, but am I willing to be God is able and I am willing? That's the, the prayer and the hope of this, this, this series and this, this morning's message. And the first thing I wanna flag is this, is that bold obedience, how do we live a bold, obedient life? Bold obedience doesn't require full understanding. Bold obedience doesn't require full understanding. Now, some of us may not like this point and that's okay. It's the Word of God, so that's Chill. Because it's true. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. Because guess what? We live in an information heavy world. The currency of this day and age is information. We know this, right? We know this because of the fact that there is so much uh, going on when it comes to buying and selling of data and information and people's information into other companies and all that's going on. It is literally the currency of the world. I know because all of a sudden I'm getting a million spam calls from random emails and random numbers that should never have got my number. And they're like, hey, we're just calling you because you owe $50,000 in tax to the Australian government. We need it in Amazon gift cards. And I'm like, what? But what's happened is that somewhere, somewhere has got a hold of my information and sold it because information is the currency of this world. This world values information. We view it as power. You've heard the saying, you know, like power, sorry, knowledge is power because we view and hold information as the most important thing. And if we're not careful, we actually put this onto our relationship with God. Now, I want to just clarify something right at the get-go is this, is that I'm not talking about growing in your understanding and maturity of God. I'm talking about having information and knowledge be the driving force behind everything. Being the driving force behind everything. So we're in a culture of information, but if we're not careful, we're allowed to influence how we interact with God. In other words, we receive a prompting from God, whether through the Spirit or through His Word, because that's how He talks to us. Either the Spirit will prompt us or the Word will prompt us and we'll receive a prompting. But what we, what we say back to God is we go, cool God, but how is that gonna work? All right God, but where is it gonna happen? All right God, but when is that gonna change? All right God, but who's that gonna involve? And all of a sudden, we want all this information before we even say yes to God. We wanna take and receive all this information so that we can say, hey, now I'm comfortable making The decision, now I'm comfortable acting in obedience and what happens is that we ultimately end up changing the way we should be interacting with God and we put information above our obedience to God's Word. It can stop us from walking in bold obedience. But then what we see is Peter's response is completely different. Peter's response in in Luke 5 is, because you said so, I'll let them on nets." Now what we need to know and understand is fishermen in those days would fish overnight right? So they're on the Sea of Galilee at the moment on this lake. This is where it's connected to. And what they would take place is that they would actually cast their nets overnight. So when Peter says, we've been working all night, it's because they've been out working all night. They've literally been out casting their nets or out going around to all the different spots on the lake and casting our nets, trying to catch the fish. Because what would then take place is that you would then bring your load in in the morning, that you would count your fish, that you would wash your nets and you would take them to the market then you would take the fish to the market and sell it. And that's how you would make your income. That's how you would make your profit. And so when Peter has Jesus come up to him and goes, hey, cast it out. let's go into the deeper water, let's cast out nets. It doesn't make any sense from a fisherman's point of view. It makes zero sense from a fisherman's point of view. This is not the right time. We've been out there all night. People are, other people have caught fish, which means there's probably not that many fish out there. And also the markets are finishing up now, so I'm not even gonna make profit on what I'm gonna sell. So it makes zero sense for Peter to go out there. And yet his response is still, but God, because you said so. Notice how Peter doesn't go, Oh, but God, like, what are we gonna do with the fish once we catch it? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna sell it? Who's gonna buy it? What's it gonna look like? How many fish are there gonna be? Okay, do I need other people? How many other people do I need? Do I need to call other people? Peter doesn't have all these questions, right? What does he do? He just goes, God, because you said so, I'll do it. How often are we questioning God versus just listening to Him and obeying Him? Contrary to popular belief, you don't need the whole picture to walk in obedience. You don't. You don't need the whole picture to walk in obedience. Why? Because you'll never get the whole picture. (laughs) You never will. (laughs) So you'll just be stuck there forever. (laughs) Just in the same spot. You'll never get the whole picture. All throughout the Bible, we see God calling people and asking them to step out of their comfort zone, to walk in obedience, to outwork His will. And He never gives them the full picture. Because part of that is if God gave you the full picture, you would never do it anyways. Because it would be too big, it would be too scary, it would be too intimidating, all of a sudden you would be stuck in your spot. And so, the reason he doesn't give you the full picture is because there's a growth and a transformation ahead of you, and you will grow into what God has for you if you walk in obedience. If you walk in obedience, you don't need fuller understanding to have bold obedience. You just need a faith and a, and a trust in God's character and his plan. See, what we need to realize is that obedience is my responsibility but outcome is God's responsibility. What we do when we seek information over anything else is that we try and control the outcome. We try and control what is happening. We try and control the outcome. We try to understand and know so that we can make sure the good result. No, no, the outcome is not in your hands, but obedience is. The whole point is that you would act in obedience and then the outcome would be in God's hands and His responsibility, which means that we have to have the posture of God. It doesn't matter about the outcome. It doesn't matter if I think what needs to happen happens. It doesn't matter if what I dream happens, happens. All that matters is my obedience to what it is that you're asking me to do here and now. All that matters is my obedience. Obedience of everything. We see this in, uh, in the Old Testament. The story of David and Goliath, right? Great story, a lot of people would know this, David killing Goliath. A lot of people know this story, but if if you go back before David arrives at the battle, his dad asks him to carry cheese to his brothers. And David's response is yes to carrying the cheese. So we often talk and look about the fact that David killed Goliath and he stood up to Goliath and where's my Goliath? But my question is, where's your cheese? Where's your insignificant, obedient moment to what is right in front of you that ultimately leads to something greater? You just don't need to know about it just yet. What's the insignificant cheese moment where you go, cool, I need to say yes to what is right in front of you. Maybe for some of you, maybe it's actually putting your hand up to lead a connect group. Maybe some of you, God's been placing His his finger on your heart going, hey, this is something that I need you to do. Hey, you have something that can bring people together and encourage them in my Word. You have something that can actually build people up and disciple them. And I need you to step up. This is your simple act. All I need you to do is let someone know. And we are wrestling with that step of obedience because we're waiting for our Goliath. But little did you know that the connect group you're going to open up might just see miracles take place in it, might just see salvations take place in it, might you see things change in people's lives with the reality of Jesus all because you said yes. And let's not be asking where our Goliath is. My question is, where's the cheese? Where's the cheese? You have no idea what significant moment is on the other side of a seemingly insignificant act of obedience. Paying for someone's meal when you're out. Shouting someone a coffee. Asking if someone needs prayer. Inviting them to church. I think sometimes we go, oh, but is that God? Is that God moving? Well, my question is, are we just doing it anyways? I heard someone say, yeah, and I'll take that. But my question is, are we doing it anyways, right? Because outcome's not our responsibility, obedience is. Yeah. Stop waiting for the big moment. Let's start outworking the seemingly insignificant obedience moments that lead to great encounters. Sometimes we're so concerned with knowing and finding out and discovering the unknown will of God that we forget about the known will of God. Such a big understanding out there of what's my call? What's the will of God for my life? How does that look like? What's the specifics? My question is how are we putting in to practice the known will of God? How are you loving your neighbour? How is your prayer life going? How's your generosity going? How's your kindness going? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Are you opening the living Word on a daily basis? Are you letting God minister and transform you so that you might minister to other people and see transformation in their life? What does the the known will of God look like in your life? There is so much in the Bible that is the known will of God. And so instead of concerning ourselves with the one day, the what if, let's focus on today. Let's stop focusing on what will be one day and let's focus on how do I glorify God today? How do I walk in obedience today? What does that look like for me Today, it's about a trust in God's character. Some of us don't need to know more, we need to obey more. I think, can I just speak to like, I'm going to say my generation its like a young adult like generation out there at the moment. Having a desire for theology is great and you should chase after it. But not doing anything with it is damaging. What good is a theology that you don't do anything with? The whole point is that it's meant to be a theology and a belief that will change the way you live. And if your life looks the same as your friend's life, the theology hasn't gotten into your heart, it's just in your head. And that is an issue Because God is not an intellectual God, He is a personal spiritual God who we cannot even fathom. And so if we try and intellectually fathom Him, we will fall short every time and we will misrepresent Him every time. And all of a sudden people begin to go, man, the church, the church Christian is this, why? Because we're intellectually trying to demonstrate and we can't even describe God that way. But are you letting Him transform your life? You don't need, like, please hear me, I love study but only for study that results in a change in my life. Not just for the sake of me knowing more. So what does your life look like? Oswald Chambers says this, one step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. Doesn't require full understanding it will require full surrender. Proverbs 3, verse five to six says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. You won't understand it all. God will ask you to do something that will make zero sense. But the question is not, will you understand it? The question is, will you obey it? It's just love language. It's Powerful. My second observation about bold obedience is this. Number one, you don't need full understanding to have bold obedience, right? Number two is this, that bold obedience will often invite opposition. What an exciting message, Dan. This is going great. You're telling me I don't need to know things and I'm going to face opposition. Yep. It gets better though. Don't worry. It will often invite opposition. See, as Christians, I think sometimes we think that obeying God means that everything should be going good for us. When when you open the scripture and you read what's inside of it, you would find and discover that it's actually the complete opposite. <laughs> and not because God is sending something, but because we have a real enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy our relationship, our closeness, our right standing and our intimacy with God. And so as a result, he will use anything he can to do so. He will use friends. He will use family. He will use finance. He will use work. He will use living situations. He'll use health. He'll do all these things to try and kill, steal, and destroy what we have with God. And what we need to realise is that when we step up into bold obedience, it actually invites opposition. Why? Because we begin to take ground in what God has called us to. And so as a result, the enemy goes, I don't like that. So therefore, I'm going to oppose what God is doing. And I think it's so interesting that Pastor Kath gets up here this morning and she says, hey, there is this picture of this enemy running towards you. And she says, hey, God is saying, do not be intimidated. Because literally in my notes, it says that the enemy will try and intimidate you out of obedience. Literally, God is saying this morning, do not be intimidated out of your obedience to His Word. Don't let the perceived threat of the enemy deter you from walking in the God's plan for your life in the obedience that He has for you opposition will come, why? Because when you're moving forward with God and for God, you will be met with spiritual opposition. See, the devil knows it's easier to kill a seed than it is to kill a harvest. And so when you take a single step of obedience, he understands the impact of multiplication that's behind that, and so what he will try and do is he'll try to attack your first step because he doesn't want you to get to your 10th step. Because he understands and knows it's easier to stop it now than it is when it's in full momentum. It's easier to stop your first step than it is your 10th step. That's what He does. That's His strategy. That's what He has for us. His goal is to kill, steal and destroy. And so we need to fight for obedience. And this can come in two ways. It can come externally and it can also come internally as well. Don't be surprised when things start to happen around you when you walk in obedience. Don't be surprised when all of a sudden things become harder or Maybe your financial, your financial situation shifts when you start to walk in obedience. I'll never forget, I remember the one time I felt God had given me an Ashari, a figure for expansion and it was a stretch for us. And we were, all right, God, we're gonna do it. And we, we gave it. And then all of a sudden, the next week, we got all these bills coming out of absolutely nowhere. And then one of them was, uh, yes, it was on me, but it was a fine that came, came in. And I was like, oh man, there was a fine. And then another bill came through and then another one and another one, all in the one week. And these bills, none of them were meant to be coming through until later. And I just looked at Ashari at one point and we just started laughing. Cause I was like, isn't it funny how we acted in obedience and then God directly, at- uh, sorry, the, the enemy directly attacks what we actually stepped out in. God, see God will encourage you in obedience. He will empower you and equip you for obedience to step out in but the enemy will always come and oppose it. And I think that we, we, we find ourselves in a place where we think opposition means bad things. When really we need to find this weird comfort in opposition. Because we should be going, hey, if I'm being opposed, it means I'm going in the right direction. It means I'm making moves. It means I'm stepping forward in God's obedience in my life. If I am being opposed, that's a good thing. If everything is going easy for you right now and your relationship with God is just easy and flowing, my, maybe it's a season of blessing, but maybe, maybe it's because we've gotten comfortable when we're not walking in the obedience that He's calling us to. There should be a level of opposition. Why? Because when we walk in obedience, it invites opposition. For example, people will challenge your, your obedience. Young couples that decide not to sleep together until they're married. Your friends will think you're crazy. They'll say stuff like, that doesn't work. There's no way that could work. All of this is opposition. When you decide to give 10% as a tithe to God, people will ask you, that's, not, that's a terrible financial decision. And they'll go after, there'll be opposition to all that God asks you to walk in obedience in. And why? Because the enemy does not want you to because he understands the power that's behind it. Don't let the devil intimidate you out of obedience. When Kath was saying about embracing for impact, Took me back to this uh, picture I had of, I used to play rugby back in the day and the the Rugby World Cup is on at the moment. It is my favourite time of year because Adelaide does not have rugby. And so I just join with the rest of the world and I get up at 4 a.m. and I watch rugby for a couple hours. It's amazing. No one else here cares, but I'm just gonna take this moment to celebrate rugby and the awesome game that it is. But I played it growing up and um, it's a great sport and I loved it. But one of the things that they teach us really early on is how to commit to a tackle. Because the most injuries that ever happen in rugby is when people don't commit to a tackle properly. And what happens is that because you have this thing in your brain that goes, oh, like, I'm not sure, am I gonna hurt myself? It actually changes the way your body works. And so as a result, you stiffen, th- you, you get stiffened, you get like tight, and you start tackling in a way that can actually injure yourself. But then the first thing they teach you is go, hey, if you wanna not injure yourself, if you wanna tackle effectively, you need to be prepared and commit to the impact. And I feel like what Kath was saying this morning is such a clear picture of what God is telling us, going, hey, opposition is coming, but brace for impact. Be prepared for the, commit to the impact. Why? Because it's not going to take you out. Because we know that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. We know that we don't operate with His earthly hands. We operate with a heavenly anointing. We know that we have a victory that conquered the grave. We know all these things are with us. And so as a result, we are postured correctly to commit to the impact and make the tackle where needed you got to commit to the impact have faith and trust in God that he has you remember you have no idea what God can do with a single act of obedience Psalm 73 verse 26 says this my flesh and my heart may fail but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever he is my strength and he is my portion forever In the midst of opposition, when you're questioning should I have, rely on God's strength, not your own. Rely on His strength for He is your portion. My last point as the band comes and joins me is this. Bold obedience opens the door to God's miracles. Told you it gets better. the first one, is that you don't need full understanding to walk in obedience. Second is that, hey, when you walk in obedience, you will face opposition. the third is, hey, when you walk in obedience, it opens the doors to God's miraculous power in your life. What do we see in Peter? Peter goes, because you said so, I will. And his obedience opened the door for Jesus to come and do a miracle that changed his life, but ultimately ended up changing all of our lives forever. Peter's single act of obedience is still being talked about to this day. Why? Because when obedience is applied, God's miraculous power begins to be outworked. You see this all throughout Scripture. Go and do a study of the Old Testament. Go and look at all these things. Why? Because when obedience is activated, God's power comes and literally barges down the door and his miraculous power begins to shift things in the atmosphere and in our world. Peter's catch was so big, the nets were breaking. The miracle was so great that it was almost overwhelming. When we walk in bold obedience, we bear witness to the miracles of God. God is a miracle working God and our obedience opens the door for His power. Question, how often do you pray and expect God to answer miraculously? Or do you expect Him to answer practically? It may be practicable, but He's a miraculous working God. So many stories in this room of God moving in a miraculous way. And I want encourage you to go and find some of them out. Ask some people. Discover. You'll start to see that a lot of it is off the back of an obedience step. One time recently, in the beginning of this year, we had a youth service and I was speaking at it. And... It was a youth service and in my prep for it, I actually felt that God had asked me to pray for this specific young lady in our youth ministry who is suffering from, was suffering from scoliosis like quite severely, so much so that she had to walk in a lift in her shoe and all that sort of stuff. And I felt like God laid on my heart, but to be honest, I was just like, ah, this just sounds like a crazy idea. So I put it in my notes, but I didn't do anything with it. Then I was up there preaching and I was speaking about prayer and the power of prayer. And I felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder and He said, hey, I want you to call, call this young lady out to come and receive prayer for healing. And I was like, eh, like, and so my act of, because in the moment, if I'm honest, all my thoughts were trying to understand it or What happens if it doesn't work? God, what happens if the outcome doesn't happen? What happens if, you know, like all the what happens if? And so I went, I, I didn't ask this young lady to come. out. I said, hey, if anyone wants to receive prayer, come down the front. So I was like, maybe that's enough obedience. But then God reminded me that partial obedience isn't obedience. So then I was like, all right, cool. So then I decided to take it one step further. And I was like, oh, you know, like, well, over here, we'll pray for your family. But over here, if you need physical healing, you know, like (laughs) one step closer. Once again, God reminded me, hey, partial obedience isn't full obedience. Literally, there's whole battles and wrestles going on inside my head (laughs) while I'm doing this. And um, and then I go, all right. I'm like, oh, but like more specifically, like healing, healing in your back, you know, like just like slowly getting, you know, like just building my own like confidence up a little bit. And God just keep, the Holy Spirit just keeps reminding me, Dan, partial obedience is not full obedience. And for me, I landed in a spot where I went, actually, you know what? I feel like it's, it's specifically scoliosis. And I went and found this young lady and I specifically prayed for her. And for me, I went, all right, what happens if the Holy Spirit doesn't rock up? And I pray for her and she doesn't get healed. God, like what's going to happen? Like this could like, what? Like, oh man, is she even going to believe that you can heal then? And like all this stuff, all the outcome things came into my head. And God just reminds me, hey, outcome isn't your responsibility. Obedience is. Will you have the faith to do it? You don't have to understand it all. You have the opposition internally going on. But will you have the faith to walk in obedience that might just see the miraculous take place? So I was praying for this young lady and we prayed for her. And literally, there was a shift that took place in her. We literally watched as we saw one of her legs. She was literally wearing a lift and one of her legs grew. And she stood up and there was no pain. And she, for the first time, I think it was in about five years, was able to walk around without any pain. That whole week going on and still being healed to this day I don't say that to go oh look I say that to go man look at the power of obedience because I didn't do anything besides just obey what God asked me to do so question is what is God asking you to do God is able but are you willing God is able but are you willing Are you willing to surrender and sacrifice your understanding for obedience? Are you willing to face opposition for obedience? Are you willing for the miraculous, supernatural power of God to be seen in your life? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message.